Colorado fans came into Saturday's game against UCLA with this feeling that that contest had the makings of a movie script that simply wrote itself. It would be one of those feel-good flicks, you know, because Colorado had so much going their way. It was all lining up in their favor. CBS Sports was broadcasting this game. Never before had that network been in Boulder for a CU men's contest. So a national audience exposed to Colorado basketball and a chance for the Buffaloes to introduce themselves to the nation, show why they are the top team in the Pac-12, why they are a squad that nobody wants to mess with and they had the fifth largest crowd at their house for this one over 11,000 fans raucous and just screaming their guts out and it was also senior day so after the presumed win against UCLA you would have Buffalo head coach Tad Boyle talking to his seniors at center court grabbing the mic congratulating them, commemorating them in front of all the fans who were already hanging around because they were festive for a win. So everybody that was associated with the Buffaloes would have left the arena in a very upbeat mood. But apparently there was a misunderstanding in the editing room because the Bruins had an alternate ending plan as they gut-punched Colorado 70-63. to Welcome into Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm also a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio, a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show, which airs on the radio on Tuesdays in Los Angeles. We have got a fresh episode heading your way this, this Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. on AM 570 LA Sports. So hope you have a chance to check that out if you are strolling around in traffic in Los Angeles. Also, because of all the winning the Bruins are doing, it is becoming a very trendy thing, a very cool thing to subscribe to the show. Our numbers are skyrocketing, thanks in part to all the success this team has had. So if you have not joined the fray here and basically said, I'm going to subscribe to the show, I'll be honest with you, you're missing out in a grand way. So please subscribe to the show. And I have a feeling, I've got a hunch that you have a couple thoughts about how that Bruin game went on Saturday. And if you'd like to strike up a conversation with me, perhaps indicate to me or tell me how you think that that win, what it does for the Bruins in terms of their stance and their positioning of making the NCAA tournament, would love to continue the dialogue through Twitter. My Twitter is at Brian Fenley, Brian with a Y. My email is lockedonbruins at gmail.com. And so we are going to bring up one question that was sent to my email that Raymond sent in a Bruin fan. We'll get to that later on in this episode. But in in the grand scheme of things here, you know where the spotlight is going to be pointed on what took place on Saturday. Some of you watched that game with this dumbfounded look on your face. Like you had seen the Bruins playing better. But I think a lot of you were skeptical. I thought that there was this vibe that many of you thought, well, all right, if we can just get out of this this road trip here one and one, this will be a good sign. I, I would love to take a poll as to how many of you vehemently thought or were very high on the Bruins actually winning this game in Colorado. I would think that it would not have been a very high number, obviously. But we're going to look at this game from a bunch of different angles. Now, if I miss something, a storyline or or a 
part to this game that you felt like, Brian, what the hell are you doing? You missed something big, or I didn't get to it because of time constraints. The great thing about this podcast is that we do it on a daily basis. So if I miss something, you're more than welcome to call me out and, and tell me to talk about it. But chances are, don't fret, there is going to be a podcast on Tuesday and Wednesday and the next day and the next day. So there's plenty of time to fill your ear holes with Bruin content. And where I want to start is because we've got talk on this episode about Cody Riley to Tiger Campbell to quotes from after the game by Mick Cronin, some of his players, and also Tad Boyle. Those are going to dominate the conversation a whole lot. Plus, I'll answer some of your questions that have been submitted to me via email. But before I tackle the game itself, because that is where we want to start. Now, before we go in that direction, I want to take a moment, and I know I'm going on a tangent, and I know I'm testing your patience, but please bear with me because it is certainly worth it. Picture yourself as CU head coach Tad Boyle. I know you're thinking to yourself, Brian, why in God's green earth would I ever do that? Just, just listen to me for just a moment. I promise this is worth your time. So now that you have the image of Tad Boyle in your mind, now I want you to think of what was the most embarrassing thing to happen in your life. Now I wish I could divulge what that is to you on this this episode, but if I did that, I'd probably not be welcome back to the Tuesday episode of Locked on Bruins. But now that you have the image of Boyle and something is that is embarrassing, that is what happened. Tad Boyle put in a very embarrassing situation directly after the loss against UCLA. This guy, and you don't have to feel sorry for him, but you got to feel for him. And as all of you empaths out there, you will understand. But this guy, directly after the game, was had to undertake the unenviable task of hosting a senior day ceremony. I don't care how good you are as a team or how cocky you are. It should be forbidden to enable teams to schedule senior day honor ceremonies after a game. It is mindless. It is spellbinding. It is just asinine. And you put your coach in this situation where he's up there trying to tell the fans, who the ones that are courageous enough to stick around after suffering that loss on that magnitude, and he's trying to make a positive spin, and, oh, so-and-so, uh, he did this, and he was a great player that I had for four years and all of this. When a senior honor, a, a, a day like this, is supposed to be something that is cemented in a player's mind forever, something memorable that they can share with, and, and it was regrettable. It was forgettable because the players are up there the seniors and they're basically up there with their pants down it's like why am I up here why am I being told positive things when I just let my team down when I just lost this game on national television and I let my fans down and I let my university down it's just a really awkward weird odd scenario and it made it even worse because Tad Boyle comes and grabs the microphone, walks up to center court, and before he goes on these tangents about his players and trying to 
make some sort of positive remark, he apologizes to the fans for the loss and tells them you deserve better than what you got today. Look, I'm not pro-Colorado. I'm from a non-biased perspective. I don't care who you are as a coach. You should never do that. And you should never be put in a situation where you have to host a senior award after a game. Now, if I'm trying to connect this with a real-life example, this is something that I thought of. Now, this hasn't exactly happened to me personally, at least yet, but imagine you're a day away from getting married, and the, the night before the wedding, you tell your significant other, you know, honey, I actually, I don't think this is right for me. And so... You can't exactly cancel all of the events that you have planned, your wedding and all the other family gatherings right afterwards. So you say, well, since the whole family is already flown in from all over the world to come to my wedding, I guess let's just show up and do something together. That is kind of how it felt if you were watching or taking part in that ceremony yesterday. A very... Hard on the eyes, cringeworthy ceremony. All right, certainly the Bruins made a rapid turnaround in the second half against the Buffaloes. What specific Bruins made the biggest dent in fighting back and giving the UCLA comeback win? All right, so we get into the game. It's the second half between the Bruins and the Buffaloes, and see you is leading this thing 50-41, to 41, about 12 and a half minutes left, and Mick Cronin elects to call a timeout, which was a wise decision on his part because from then, the complexion of the game completely changed. Right out of the timeout, you had Evan Batty, who was the bowling ball inside for Colorado. He was the guy who gave UCLA fits defensively, limiting their abilities to score in the paint in the first half, and was just a, a beast offensively in the key as well all game long. But then he goes up as the Bruins regroup defensively, and he goes up, he gets blocked, and he does one of the worst sins that you can do, and that is a frustration foul which gives him his third foul, and Tad Boyle says, I am yanking you off the court. You are going back to the bench. Until then, Colorado was dominating in the paint on the offensive end and the defensive end, and that is why, that's simply in layman's terms, why UCLA was trailing. I felt that once Batty left the floor, the middle started to open up, and UCLA got back to their identity as one, a team that loves to, first of all, pound the ball in the paint, establish a post presence. You had Cody Riley scoring the majority of his buckets in the second half. And I cannot be reluctant in telling you that the Bruins went the whole second half with zero turnovers. Zero turnovers. I have not misspoken. You talk about that being a turning point in the game as well. How about Tiger Campbell? 15 points, 11 assists, only one turnover for him in the whole game. 11 assists, most he's had all season, first double-double of his career. And I felt like any time the Bruins were getting stale out there and this one was threatening in terms of getting out of hand 
and then UCLA losing their chances of any hope of coming back. Tiger Campbell did something on his own, whether he drew a foul or he scored a bucket just to keep the Bruins constantly in striking distance. And on top of that, the the Bruin defense really did toughen up. And Tad Boyle mentioned this after the game. He said he was sick to his stomach. And then he said, credit to UCLA. They deserve to win this game. They were the tougher team in the second half. They made the plays down the stretch that needed to be made, and we didn't. Our decisions in the second half weren't good, especially our ball screen defense. It really just left us. And what was a nine-point deficit turned into a 13-0 run for UCLA. You had... Tiger Campbell knocking in a three to give the Bruins a 53-50 lead. And Batty did come back onto the court with, I don't know, about six or seven minutes or so left in the game. But the, the whole rhythm of the contest had shifted. And as the Bruins started to take control and imposed their will you had the the feeling that CU started to panic a little bit and their playmaker in McKinley Wright the fourth got into this mantra where he felt like he had to be the hero what does that mean that means taking horrible shots that means trying to improvise and be the hero And now the offense is not moving. The ball is getting stuck. You're taking bad shots, and you're not scoring. So I felt like the way the Bruins defended uh, McKinley Wright the fourth was tremendous, and UCLA started to clog up the paint. They forced jump shots, and Colorado was horrible, was atrocious from three-point territory. They made only five threes in this game. I think they went five of 19. So they had a really difficult time with the three ball, which certainly would have helped them in a big way. They had a lot of open looks. They certainly did. But the Bruins are able to get this thing done. And Jake Kyman was wonderful. He had a bunch of shots. He had a couple threes. He played some good defense, and Prince Ali did not play in this game because of a reported sore back, but Kyman got a ton of minutes and deserves a lot of praise, not just for his three-point shooting and and mid-range game heroics, but the way he was able to stay with his man on the defensive end. And Jaime Jaquez, not... A very appeasing offensive night for him, but he did hit a couple big shots at the end. He had this runner in the lane, and then he knocked down a three to give the Bruins the 66-60 lead. McKinley Wright, the third, then answered right back with a three, but the Bruins exploiting matchups in the paint once again. They got it to Riley. Working on McKinley, who is like, I don't know, eight, nine inches shorter than him. And Riley just bulldozes his way to the paint and gets the bucket. And UCLA coming away with their first Pac-12 road sweep with 
Wins against Colorado and Utah. Bruins have not done that in three years. So that's a big-time feat. On the other side, going to answer some of your questions and look at a couple other comments and tidbits that came from this game. A dedicated listener to the show, a friend of the show, Raymond, checked in and sent me an email, and you are more than welcome to do so as well, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And he brought up a point that I think a lot of you have had wrestling inside your mind, and that is, look, we all know that Mick Cronin is a notorious, really staunch, defensive-minded coach. But doubt creeps in from some of the fan base when they think about, well, how good is this guy as an offensive coach? How qualified is he to match a high-scoring team? And can the Bruins score with the, the juggernauts offensively in college basketball? And I say the one downside and the one thing that is holding us back from doing that is just the lack of three-point shooters. And look, I think if you look at the teams that we've lost to, they've all gotten, for the most part, really hot from three-point territory. And right now you look at the roster and you're like, all right, maybe we've got three guys, I mean four, that can shoot the three. But again, it's very inconsistent. You can see Tiger Campbell make a three or two. But the best shooters on the team are, are David Singleton and Jay Kyman from three-point territory. And that's just simply not enough. And I know Chris Smith has picked up the slack and is making some threes now. But a lot of it's going to have to do with recruiting. And I'll, I'm going to touch on that a little bit more in just a moment. Because I think Mick Cronin, as he said before, look, just because it, he you know, seemingly doesn't score a whole lot of points, he likes to get out and run in transition. But I think the caveat is, is that he likes it when his defense initiates the pace. And when his defense forces the turnovers. And the, the better that they get, the better the offense is going to get, the more they're going to want to run up and down the court and, and score quickly, which is obviously going to add to the scoring total of these games. Another thing that I wanted to bring to your mind is that I was looking at some stats, and while Cronin was at the University of Cincinnati, from 2013 to his final six years there, looking at those years while he was there, his offensive efficiency numbers improved every single year but one. So that should give you a sense that, look, it's not all stale offensively. I also will give you the point that, look, when you're in Cincinnati, you don't have the ability to necessarily reel in all of the top talent in college basketball. Like, there, there's just not a exodus or a, an attraction from a lot of the top-tier players to go to Cincinnati. And look, that's that's unfortunate, but that's just the way it is. At UCLA, you are going to get access to players and talents that you didn't have while you were at Cincinnati. So those are the kind of guys that are going to be really good offensive players. So I have no qualms about whatever Mick Cronin in his past defensively because whatever he feels or, or you feel that he lacks in that department – he is going to be able to use the resources at UCLA, the position, the institution, to help alleviate some of those offensive woes because he's going to be accessed to talent, the best talent in the country, to help fix those problems. Coming up tomorrow, so many different things, and this will obviously be going throughout the show, but 
I I want to point out where the Bruins are and the whole NCAA tournament picture. There are these mathematical equations through the net rankings that help determine a team's fate. And I really do believe, and I was talking about this with some colleagues uh, yesterday, that the net rankings, which used to be, you remember the RPI helping the, determine a team standing in, in the NCAA tournament and their chances of getting in? The Bruins are exposing the ineffectiveness of this net ranking. So I want to get into that. Also coming up later in the program, we'll hear more from the players, especially Chris Smith had some very powerful words that he said after the game against Colorado that I feel like need to be brought up. So we will have that as well. So many different things that I just did not have enough time to get to that we will get to later on this week. More comments from Coach Cronin as well. And then, of course, I want to give you a grand overview of the Pac-12 Conference, where it stands as far as how far UCLA is to obviously taking the top spot in the regular season. I can tell you they're only a half game out of first place. But I want to get fully detailed in different scenarios and breaking down how UCLA wins the conference and what would go into that and looking at the other teams that are also in tight and contending for that spot with UCLA. Appreciate you all checking out this podcast. Be sure you download the podcast. And like I said, without your support, our numbers would not be elevating at the rate they are right now. 14% this month and counting. Thanks to all of you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I'm Brian Fenley. Enjoy this episode because we've got so much more coming your way later this week.